Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. It's great that you're here. It's good to see you all. And we just hope that this morning will be a wonderful day in your life. And that this morning as you come, you'll meet people and you'll feel encouraged in your walk with Jesus. I wonder if there's anyone here who's 44 years old and willing to stand up. If you're willing to do that. Is there someone who's 44 years old and willing to stand up? Come on, anyone, 44. Okay, I'll tell you what, I've got a a prize for the person who's 44 and is willing to stand up. Anyone going to do that? Come on, Alan Cummins up the back. (laughs) Is there anyone 44 and willing to stand up? Uh, uh, Who's 43? 45? Oh, 43, up the back there. Look, why, why don't you just stand? Can you stand where you are? Right up the back? Is that all right? The lady there with her hand up? That was great. Oh, wonderful. Here, we've got, a, we've got a book for you just to say congratulations. But as we look at this lady and we say, do you know what? When the year you were born, the cats <laughs> won their premiership. What is it? A year before you were born. That's how long they've been waiting, everyone, to win a premiership. So congratulations. And did they win, everybody, the Cats? Let's all say together 118 118 points. Ready? 119 points. Now, the great news, I don't even barrack for Geelong. But yesterday, I think I became a Geelong supporter, almost. Uh, yesterday we got the cup back to Victoria and tonight the Melbourne Storm steal it back to Victoria again. So sorry for you New South Wales people here tonight. I want to let you know this morning there's no kids church today but there is a little kids church over at the administration building for ages two and a half to four years old and uh, that will, that's happening now as well and we just want to say if you're a kids church leader you know we're just so thankful for you and uh, we hope that today as you have a break from kids church that you feel refreshed and encouraged by the service but we want to say you know you're giving your gifts and your talents and your time every week so that our kids grow to know Jesus more and we thank you so much for that and we appreciate the kind of level of you know, excellence that we have in our kids' church because of you. So why don't we say thank you to everyone who serves. It's great. And we want to welcome you, kids. It's great to have you in, and we hope you have a good time in church this morning. Uh, Also, just want to let you know, the reason I'm so refreshed and running up and down here is we've been on holidays, Mandy and I, and the two girls in Lawn, and we just had a wonderful time every time we get back to the coast and just smell the sea breeze and look at the mighty waves on the ocean and the big hills. We just love being away and remembering that God's an awesome God and his creation is just beautiful and uh, we enjoy working hard but we love resting too and it was just great to be refreshed and and rested as well. While we're away, uh, this mighty team here that we have at the church just kept going strong and it was just great to hear reports back from Gail who, you know, she's been over in Malawi then she's come back and 
shared as part of the Malawi team experience and preached last week and then she's now having a week's annual leave in Tasmania. So she's in Launceston, spent yesterday and today in Launceston, now going to Fresnay National Park, anyone know? Yeah? So she's in there with her and Warren for the week. So we just hope they have a great, refreshing time. She does a wonderful job. And also Phil, this week he's been off jet setting up at the Gold Coast on a um, conference and with Tony Campolo and some of the best speakers in the world and the National Youth Conference. So, and that's why Phil's looking so tanned today. Fantastic, <laughs> Phil. And we're excited to, you know, this week uh, Sandy leads our worship creative arts ministry and Mason has had his knee operated on and he's got a blood clot in his knee since having that happen. He's in a lot of pain. The kids are on holidays as well. And, you know, Sandy just does an awesome job just leading our worship and creative arts ministry and we're very pleased to have a great team. The great news is Monday week, Ken Stephen joins us as well. He's uh, the church administrator. He'll be beginning on Monday week. And you know what? His role just helps the administration to take place efficiently so that we can get about doing ministry and it's exciting and it's really exciting for us as a church so we're looking forward to that I want to let you know too today Kevin Forbes is with us and uh, Kevin he's the regional minister for the whole east of the state of Victoria it looks after how many churches do you oversee about 66 pastors and churches that he's, he's keeping in touch with and caring for. And I find Kevin to be such a great encouragement and support for me as a pastor. And we're just so pleased that you're here to come up from Melbourne to speak and to share with us this morning. And we're looking forward to, to hearing from you. And just recently, he, he, with the leadership, went through a three-year review with me and just appreciate Kevin leading that and the way... Uh, that, that's, that's taking place. It's just great. So we're pleased that you're here and thank you for coming. Also want to let you know that in four weeks' time, October the 28th, we have Hospitality Sunday. Now, remember these happening many years back? Well, we're excited because we're going to start them again, October the 28th, where we're just asking if everybody can come to go to someone's place for lunch and we're looking for people that would be willing to host people at their house. doesn't mean you have to cook all the meal or anything. But we're hoping that on the 28th of October, as many as we can, can get to be with other people for lunch so that you make connections with people you don't normally meet with. Uh, in a church like ours, you can come in and just feel part of the big sea of faces. But to get to know people over lunch one Sunday is a great opportunity. We'll be giving you more information next week all about that opportunities to sign up and acknowledge that you want to be a host and everything like that as well but the big big news too next uh next week on the front of the news sheet here we've got the men's dinner now this is just going to be a fantastic night for men so please uh, if you haven't paid your money if you haven't signed up do that today tomorrow is your last opportunity to do that um, but we have just a quality speaker who's going to be speaking on Friday night, Jim, Jim Wallace, who's uh, you know, been a brigadier, advised the, the federal government about its defence strategy and helped plan all of that. He's an incredible man and a great Christian man who's helping us you know, make a, a Christians make a voice in our, in our country today. So come along to that. It'll be great men to get there. And next Sunday morning, it says that I'm speaking, but it's actually Jim Wallace that is speaking next Sunday morning. So we thought it'd be great for him to come and share the, uh, speak next week. So please come. 
bring as many as you can next Sunday and that, that would be great. Men, don't miss that opportunity. I uh, want to let you know too that if you're reading through the Bible uh, every day like, we, like we've been doing, today we finish off Malachi and we finish reading through the whole of the Old Testament. So if you've been doing that regularly, congratulations. From here, from tomorrow until 31st of December is the New Testament and we'll read that through as well. And if you would like to be included on that, uh, just email the church and we'll send you, you know, email back to your reading guide as well. That would be great. This morning, as I went through Malachi, uh, God is speaking to his people and he says, you know, uh, to the priests, he says, you come to offer me sacrifices and what you're doing is you're looking for all the, the lambs that are, you know, sort of half, half, they've got problems with them. One's eyes missing, one's crippled, one's lame, you know, and, and yet you're looking for those and you're offering them to me. This is what he, he, God says to his people, the priests. He says, you say, how have we despised you by offering polluted food on my altar? And you say, how have we polluted it by thinking that the Lord's table may be despised. And then in chapter 1, verse 8, he says, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not wrong? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not wrong? Try presenting that to your governor. Will he be pleased with you or show favour to you, says the Lord of hosts. And as I read that this morning, you know, it reminded me that God doesn't want my half-hearted offerings, you know, he doesn't want me to just give him the leftovers in my life to God. The loose change when the offering bowl comes around. Or just to be involved in ministry to a point where I can still take it easy and serve when I want to. He doesn't want me to you know, be someone who prays here a, here a little, there a little. Or studies the Bible only when I'm not too tired or not too busy or not too... Uh, you know, he wants me to give him my best. He wants me to be one that can actually give him the first, the 10% of what I earned, the, the first 10%, the best of my gifts, the best of my energy, the best of my effort, the best of my time, because this is what God is worthy of. And this morning as I wrote that, the application for my life, you know what I said? Today's not a day to endure or to go through just like every other, you know, day or because I'm the pastor of the church. Today is a day when I'm going to give you, God, my full attention. I'm going to say, God, speak to me. God, lead me. God, guide me. And my ears are open, my eyes are open, my heart is open. Have your way. May that be your prayer today. Give him your best. Give him your best. So as we open the Bible this morning, as we look at today's passage that Kevin's going to speak Let's open our, God's word with our hearts ready to say, God, speak to us. Let's turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 and verses 11 to the end of the chapter. So let's read this and say, God, speak to us this morning. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. 
So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his uh, senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you have never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes uh, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his this brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found let's pray together church shall we god we thank you that you have sought us out that you have revealed yourself to us and that we're your own you god this morning as we open your word as we worship you god speak to us we pray challenge us our eyes are open Our hearts are ready to hear your word. Our ears want to hear what you have to say. God, we give you our attention this morning. We give you our best. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's it's good to be with you this morning here at at, uh, Wodonga. Had to think where I was for a moment. That's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Um, it's good also this morning to bring you the greetings of the Baptist Union of Victoria. Uh, it's a great privilege of mine week by week to be in uh, different churches and to be able to take the greetings of their brothers and sisters. 
Last uh, Sunday morning, I was at Heathmont where we inducted Wendy Henry onto their past pastoral team. But the week before that, I was down at Niora in Gippsland, uh, a little church building that would have fitted in this little corner over here with a dozen people. Um, we're so different, but it, uh, it's great to come and to bring you the greetings and also to be able to tell you that this morning that, that God is really at work. God is really doing some wonderful things in the lives of our churches. And uh, we, we need to realise that. It's wonderful to hear each story. I really encourage people as, uh, as they move around, as they go on holidays, to drop into some of these smaller churches and encourage them. It was interesting at Niora, of course, they had no musicians. Everything was on a computer, uh, all their music, everything, and, and it, it worked well. But they do that because they don't even have someone to play a piano. Um, but they still rejoice in the Lord, so I bring their greetings to you today. Let me endorse what Jonathan said before and say to the men of the church, uh, make sure that you enrol to Herr Jim Wallace. I heard him about a year back speaking at a men's breakfast and he was inspiring. He's a man of stature. He's a man who's really got something to say. And if you don't go to that, uh, you'll miss out on something that's uh, well worthwhile. Make sure that you're here uh, next week. It will be very good. Well, it seems that this uh, is the last Baptist church, plus one other that uh, I'll be preaching at in this, uh, right up at the, in this area this year, although I will be going out to Corion uh, later in uh, November where they will be inducting their new pastor and they are very excited about that. It's been good to have shared with the people at Thaguna and at Aubrey and just a few weeks back I was out at a little independent church out at Barranduda and that was quite a, quite a fascinating, interesting morning and a good time with them. They, they, they are praying and considering whether they move from being an independent church and line up with either the Baptist Union, the Church of Christ, the Brethren or whoever. So uh, I think we've all been putting our bids in. <laughs> they tell me I've been the only one invited to preach so far, but uh, it's a big step for them. Pray for them. God's doing a great work out there at Barranduda. Let's come before God in prayer. Father, this morning as I drove up from Melbourne, I was thinking a little bit about those, about two people who were making a different journey that uh, your word tells us about, those two who were walking the road to Emmaus on that day after the crucifixion. I didn't drive this morning with a heavy heart, but they walked with a heavy heart. They were broken, their hopes had disappeared, were shattered. And yet, Lord Jesus, you joined them. And as we read that story, we realise that as you walked with them, they didn't know who you were. You were a stranger to them. But then as you listened to them and heard their story, you became a friend. And then you went on to open the scriptures to them. And then finally, when their journey came to an end, they, when they invited you into their home and broke bread, they realised that you were the Messiah, the Lord. Father, I pray for us this morning, in these minutes that are in front of us, that we this morning in our journey will know that you're one who walks alongside, 
And if there are any here this morning who don't know you, that you're a stranger to them, I pray that this morning their eyes will be opened and they'll catch a glimpse of who you are. But I pray, Father, that you will just touch each of our hearts this morning through your Holy Spirit and open our eyes and may it be at the end of uh, this time of worship that we will be just as excited as those two were who then got up and raced back to Jerusalem to tell their brothers and sisters. May we be excited because we've met with you. Lord, speak to us through your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. I want to speak this morning on the subject, uh, come in and join the party. Come in and join the party. I wonder how many of you have ever lost something. Put up your hand if you've ever lost something. Come on, be honest, most of you. Come on. There were a few I don't think who had their hands up. Let me tell you, as it gets old, as you get older, it happens more and more. There are times when we, when we lose things that are of great value to us, but not much value to anyone else. That happened to me last year. Last year I was sitting in a study at my desk and I reached out for a Bible and all of a sudden it wasn't there. It wasn't in that familiar spot. So I looked around, I, I basically uh, looked right throughout my, uh, my study, looked in all the bookshelves, looked behind my desk, looked everywhere it could possibly be. Then I went out to the car. I figured, well, perhaps it's fallen down one of the seats. Perhaps it's under a seat or somewhere. I looked everywhere in the car and it wasn't there. By the time I came back inside, my wife said to me, what's wrong? I said, I've lost a Bible. She said, well... You've got a lot of Bibles. <laughs> you know, um, what's the problem? There was a story behind that Bible, and it wasn't so much the Bible, it was the cover. The cover was very, very important to me and special to me. You see, some years back, back in the uh, 70s, I was on the pastoral team at Dallas in Broadmeadows. And uh, after four years there, I'd moved on but then about a decade later, I got a phone call one day. Uh, they were without a pastor, and the person on the other end of the phone said to me, Kevin, do you remember Barbie? And I said, yes, of course I do. Barbie was a girl who'd come into the church while I was on the pastoral team. She was probably in her late teenage years, um, and we'd got to know her. She was a very gifted girl, very gifted in arts and crafts, making all sorts of things. Um, and, and I'd build up a relationship with her, but then I'd moved on. But this person on the other end of the phone said, well, Barbie is very ill. Since you left, she's married and she has four little children, but she's very ill with cancer. And we just wondered perhaps whether you could uh, perhaps call in and see her. Over the uh, next four months, I called in a number of times to see Barbie before she died and I took her funeral. But I remember calling in uh, one day and she said, I've got something for you. And she took out a beautiful cover. She said, I noticed that the Bible that you've bought a couple of times, that the back's just about broken, so I've made a lovely leather cover for it. And it was that cover that was on this particular Bible. It really worried me. I rang up the... I, my wife said to me, you know, the, the next question, well, well, go back in your mind. Where do you think you had it last? 
And so I did, and I thought, well, maybe I had it at Croydon Hills where, where we're in membership. Maybe I had it there last Sunday. So I rang up the office and said, look, you haven't found a Bible, have you? They said, hang on, we'll go and look in the lost and found. They went off, came back and said, no, it's not here. So then I said, look, I'm going to go up there myself and have a good look myself. I wasn't satisfied. I did that. No, it wasn't to be found. That was early in the week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday went by. Friday came along, the phone rang, and it was the church office, and they said, Kevin, we've found your Bible. I said, where was it? They said, well, somehow or other, it had made its way into the bag of Sunday school equipment. And when, the, when one of the teachers came along to sort things out for next Sunday morning and opened the bag, there it was. So up I went, returned home with a warm glow as if something that was long lost had been found. It was this Bible, this cover, which means so much to me because of the connections. It had been lost, but it was found. Today's Bible reading tells the third of a series of three lost and found stories. But to understand these stories, to really get the full import of what they're on about, we need to understand the context. I guess it was a fairly normal day in the life of Jesus. A number of people had gathered around him and included in that number were tax collectors and other outcasts. They'd come to listen to him. Also, there were religious leaders who were gathered there, gathered there to trip him up, gathered there to try and bring him down. They were just waiting for something that they could really grab hold of and they were murmuring and complaining why this guy meets with the riffraff of society, he even goes and, and, and eats with them. And this is the context that Jesus speaks into in these three stories. He tells three stories. The first one we know is about a sheep that gets lost. And at the end there's great celebration because the sheep is found. The second story is about a coin that's lost. And again at the end there's great celebration because the coin is found. The third story, the one that Jonathan read to us, is generally known as the story of the prodigal son, although the prodigal is only one of three main characters in the story. A man has two sons. The younger one asks for his share of the father's estate. According to Jewish custom, the father was able to, to divide the estate up and to give him a third of the estate. The older son would have two-thirds, he would get one-third. So the young guy gathered all he had, he must have converted it to cash and he left home for a distant land. He'd heard so much about the glow of this distant land that he couldn't get there quick enough, off he went. Very quickly the story tells us that he squandered all that he had and very soon everything he had was gone, all the money was gone. He squandered it in wild living. He'd had one wow of a time, but it had gone very quickly, and I guess so had the friends who had gathered around him during that time. So he was broke, totally broke. At this same period of time, the land was hit by a severe famine, and he was in such need even to find food to keep him going. So he hired himself out to a Gentile citizen, and this Gentile employed this Jewish young man to feed pigs. In doing this, the young man actually made himself ritually unclean. That fact, by the way, wouldn't have been lost on, on the Jewish leaders who were gathered in that crowd listening to him that day. 
But for this young man, survival was much more important than caring whether feeding pigs rendered him ritually unclean or not. He would rather be alive and ritually unclean than ritually pure but dead. He was so hungry that he even wished that he could eat what was being fed to the pigs. But the point came when he realised that he was a fool, that he was crazy. And he started in his mind to go back to home and to what was happening there and he realised that the servants at home were far better off than he was. They were far better looked after than he was. And so he decided that he would go back home and that he would say to his father, look, father, I'm sorry, I, I, I was wrong. I'm not worthy to be called your son any longer and I'd like you to take me on as a hired hand. So back home he went. The story tells us that when he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. Perhaps the import of the story is that because of where his father's heart was, that he was watching for his son to come back each day, just longing for his son to come back. But his son saw him coming and raced out down the track to meet him. Dad, I was wrong. I was unfair to you and to God and I don't deserve to be called your son. But before he had a chance even to finish his little speech, his father was calling out, quick, bring the best robe for him and a ring for his finger and shoes for his feet. The ring was a, was a figure, a symbol of authority in the household. Shoes were worn by members of the family. Slaves went barefooted. Kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party because this son of mine who was dead is now alive. He was lost but he's now found. So they partied. But meanwhile, back on the farm, the older brother was returning home from a hard day's work in his father's field. When he heard the music, he stopped and asked a servant, what's going on? The servant said, your brother has returned. Your father has slaughtered a fatted calf to celebrate, he's so overjoyed to have him back. At that point, the older brother simply froze. He refused to go in, so the father came out to him and met with him and pleaded with him to come in, but he refused. I have served you faithfully for so long, I have never disregarded any command from you. When you needed me, I was always here, but you never killed a baby goat for me let alone a fatted calf. He, he gets a fatted calf. He who devoured a third of our estate, he gets a, th- a fatted calf. The father says, but, but you were always with me. You weren't lost. I never thought you were dead. All, all that I have is yours. But for your brother, I had to party because, because I thought he was dead. He was lost, but he's now found. He was dead, but he's now alive. The three main characters in this story, the one that I want to focus on today is the older brother. Many sermons have been preached about the younger, the prodigal son, but this morning I want to focus on the older brother. It may be this morning that there are some younger brothers and sisters in this congregation this morning. There may be some here 
who have heard and known the stories of the love and grace of God but have turned away and, and wandered off. It may be that you're just starting to come back. The message from this story to you is that God is a God of grace and love and he's just wanting to welcome those who come to their senses and who come back and he just wants to pour his love out upon you and accept you back. But today, I don't want to centre my thoughts on the, on the younger brothers or sisters, but the older brothers and sisters. Because I sense that there are many older brothers and sisters just like myself that this passage really speaks to. There are danger signs amongst us that we need to heed if we are going to really be open to the gospel of Jesus and really go on. I have three simple points this morning. The first one is this. Proximity is not intimacy. Proximity is not intimacy. Although the older brother lived and worked with his father, he didn't appear to know or understand the heart of his father. He seemed to be shocked, absolutely shocked, that his father would be overjoyed, almost to the point of breaking because his younger son had returned. If he'd known his father's heart a little better, he would too have joined him in the party and really celebrated because his younger brother was back. He'd come to his senses. Perhaps the surroundings had become so familiar to him, the routine of faithful service so predictable that it didn't appear to be essential to get to know his father any better. Perhaps he thought that there was nothing more to know about his father, that he'd watched him every day of his life and he knew all there was to know about him. He'd learned it all over the years. This is true of any relationship. Not all people who live together are necessarily enjoying the closest of relationships. Intimate relationships we know take time and space and effort. They're things that have to be worked on. It's also true of us and our relationship with God. I think that we sometimes unconsciously perhaps assume that we have learnt all there is to know about God. That we've grown perhaps as much in our Christian life as we possibly can. And so we take the foot off the pedal. We come to the Bible and we read it day after day with the same old blinkers, no longer open for a new amazing truth just to stand out and hit us between the eyes. No longer open for us to see something new about the wonder and the, uh, of God. God wants us to know him, to deepen our awareness of how broad and long, how high and how deep his love is for us. This is intimacy. The more we know God, the more surprises there will be for us as his grace fills us and his spirit leads us into unexplored parts of our lives. The older brother was close to the father but miles away at the same time. There are people like that. Perhaps there are some here like that. There have been times when that would describe where I've been in my journey. But there are churches like that too. There are churches who you could say are close to the Father but a long way away at the same time. Proximity is not intimacy. My second point is this. Loyalty is not intimacy. Obedience and faithfulness 
have often, I think, been a bit of a trap for me, almost a means of grace for me. There's a sense of Pharisee about me. Maybe not the judging type, but the type that I could never be accepted by God, so I have to work harder to improve my CV all the time. And you get tired. Loyalty is not intimacy. Gerald Hughes was walking through Germany on a pilgrimage when he came to a building which had the following words written across the entrance. Let me read them to you. There is one road to freedom. Its milestones are obedience, diligence, honesty, order, cleanliness, temperance, truthfulness, sacrifice and love for one's country. Sounds very impressive, doesn't it? Almost the kind of sort of statement that you would find in a mission statement in a Baptist church somewhere in Victoria. But it was the inscription over the entrance to the administration block at Dachau concentration camp. There is one road to freedom. Its milestones are obedience, diligence, honesty, order, cleanliness, temperance, truthfulness, sacrifice and love of one's country. There is a danger in loyalty, obedience and sacrifice. There is a danger in those things even in the work of God when they don't spring from an intimate relationship with the Father. The older brother obeyed. He sacrificed, but he couldn't bring himself to join the party because he didn't have that intimate relationship with his father. He didn't know his father. Proximity doesn't equal intimacy. Loyalty doesn't equal intimacy. The third point. It's hard to calculate God's grace and to celebrate God's grace at the same time. There was a sense in which the father's love for the, young, the youngest son was not fair. It was outrageously unfair to the older brother. At least he thought it was. He had his chance and he blew it. And he wasted a third of our whole estate, something that's probably been in the family for a long time. He went and wasted it. He doesn't deserve grace. He deserves judgment. God's grace is outrageous. There is a strange story told in Matthew 24 of labourers who were hired at 6am in the morning to go and work in a vineyard. The story tells us that they worked all day, being paid at the same time as those who start at work later in the day, some even as late as 5pm. Some who'd only worked for an hour. The ones who complained, failed to see that they'd, they'd been able to enjoy the company of the owner of the vineyard all day. The older brother was unable to appreciate that it had been his privilege to be, to be in the presence of his father the whole of his life and that he'd never brought such pain to his father. The words from his father, son, you have always been with me don't mean anything to this man because he's into scoring points, he's into earning a credit rating. He's not interested in sharing the love and joy and grace of his father. I've served you, I've served you a long time, many years. 
I've never flaunted your generosity. You've never even killed a baby goat for me, let alone a fatted calf. He gets a fatted calf and look what he's done. Now let me take you back. Who was the story addressed to? It was addressed to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders who were in that crowd wanting to trip Jesus up. The Pharisees who felt that obedience, faithfulness, sacrifice guaranteed them the front seats at any celebration of the kingdom. But Jesus was entertaining sinners, riffraff, even going and eating with them. He always entertained sinners and it wasn't fair, it wasn't right, it didn't stack up. It's pretty hard to take, you see, if you've committed yourself to something so that you can get what you think others are not going to get. And here it is being freely offered to them. And what does this story say to us today? So I think it's a powerful story. Five things. First, Jesus wants his church today to be more like the father than the older brother. He wants his church to be a place of grace a place where we invite and accept people in, not a place of law. Secondly, God wants us to know him. God wants us to know him more than he wants anything else. I'm the sort of person who likes to be up and at it and on the go. It's taken me a long time to learn to be still to learn to be quiet, to learn to wait. It's taken a lot of discipline. Jesus wants us, God wants us, the Father wants us to know him more than he wants our service. If you're working in the church today but you don't really know him, I'd suggest you have a good, serious think about that. The very platform on which you should be operating and working is your intimate relationship with him. Thirdly, our work for him is only helpful when it springs from a loving relationship. Fourth, he is much bolder than us in his willingness to love and accept people that we may believe are undeserving and unworthy. Always worries me. Worries me in in my role as a regional minister. When I find churches that are so meticulous and proud and caring of their buildings that their buildings are more important to them than people who might mess up their buildings. He is much bolder than us in his willingness to love and accept people that we believe are undeserving and unwilling. And fifthly, an intimate relationship with God will lead any church into new, untried paths. I believe the Spirit today is calling us in the church, connect with people who have very real needs and yet at this point perhaps no real desire to know God. 
And we need to reach out to them with his grace and with his love. Jesus wants his church to be more like the father than the older, than the older brother. But as I close this morning, there are two words here. There's a word to younger brothers and sisters who have wandered away, who the lights and the glow and the dazzle of the world have been so enticing. There's a word here, as I've already said, for them. When you come to your senses, when you realise that it's not all that it's cracked up to be, when you realise that at the end of the day it doesn't offer meaning and peace and purpose in life, but there's an emptiness out there, when you realise that, Jesus is only so so willing to welcome you home and to have your back. But to older brothers and sisters, and this could apply to us of any age, those who have walked with the Lord for any period of time, there is a very clear message to each one of us today. God says to us, the party is on. You're going to come in and join the party? Or you're going to stay outside and grumble. Let's pray. Loving Father, I know in my own life there have been times when I have been so busy or so tired. that I've almost felt that uh, my relationship with you has been lost. There are other times, Father, where you have been so important and so precious. There have been times when I know you've journeyed with me and yet when you've tried to talk to me, my ears have been closed. still been serving you but my ears have been closed. There have been times when you've tried to teach me and I haven't understood. But Lord, you are the one who is Messiah, Lord, King. I pray this morning that if there are any older brothers or sisters here this morning whose hearts perhaps have lost that sense of that first love, I pray this morning that you would just touch their hearts and draw them close to yourself draw them back into an intimate relationship with you. Draw them back to that place where, where they can bathe in your love, where they can know that they are loved and in return just open their lives and show you that they love you as well. Lord, I pray for this church this morning. I pray that this will be a church that just abounds in your love and grace. A church, Father, that... that that people who the world might think are not worthy might be found welcome in this place and might find how precious they are in your sight. Lord, forgive us for our judgmental ways. Forgive us when we become just exactly the same as the Pharisees. Forgive us for when we are set in our ways. And Lord, Help us to be pliable so that you can change us to be more like you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin.
Thanks for that, the word. What a challenge for us this morning, hey. Why don't we just continue to respond this morning. One of the ways we just love you to do that is to take out the blue card, which is in your news sheet. We just want to spend a few moments quietly here. Um, we just love everyone, if you can, to put your name and details on there. And maybe on the back, there's something you want to ask for prayer for in your life. Uh, maybe there's a real desire to to rekindle the first love in your heart and you want to just say would you pray for me in that maybe there's some needs that uh, you'd like us to know about this morning maybe there's some decisions you need to make let's just spend a few moments quietly continuing to respond to all that God's been saying to us this morning And this morning as we remember the day we took our journey back down the path that led us home and received the welcome of the Father. Again, as we come to give this morning, may we be reminded of the lavish love that he's poured out on us, the party that he's thrown to celebrate us coming back to him. And may you not be the one now that looks back and takes that lightly, but may you today say, God, thank you that you've given me so generously of your love of everything you've given. And today I want to be part of the party. And just giving back to you is part of saying, God, I'm thankful for all that you've done for me. So as we come to give and to worship him, let's give thanks for all that he has showered on us, his people. God, we're your church. Just want to say thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy so rich and so undeserved. Oh God, thank you that now obedience is given to you in response and faithfulness is a delight because you've loved us. You've forgiven us. Oh God, as a church, we just want to be thankful this morning to say thank you for all that you have done and continue to do in this place. God, we as a church say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all you've done. As we come to give this morning, it's with full and thankful hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. As the offering bowls come around, it'd be great for you just to put in your blue cards into the offering and let's worship God with thankful hearts as we give. <laughs> 